0: Welcome everyone to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. This is episode 81. Hello, Carl.
1: Oh, 81. I can't believe that. That's almost my IQ. <laughs> or some would argue that's a little generous, yeah. but there you go. There you go,
0: right? Well, anyway. we're, we're getting close to the 100. We will hmm. maybe have to do something special that day.
1: Yeah, maybe. Or that one, but right? But we have we will we'll have to think about that Mm -hmm. Um, but for this episode we have two very interesting segments one is on something which I've now forgotten Uh, casual relationships oh yeah that's that's gonna be interesting yeah well it turns out that casual relationships are more important than we've previously thought number Mm -hmm. of Studies have kind of uh, made it well, you need to know, yeah, yeah, you need to know a little more. And then the other subject is not necessarily new, it's probably new to this current generation. Uh-huh. But certainly, I remember reading about this uh, when I was younger in the previous century, um, and it's to do with. Incompetence oh, yeah. and how, how basically incompetence and people's career paths and how incompetence, mm-hmm. that is the demonstration of incompetence, parallels people's career movements.
0: And for this episode, we have again a, a special guest. Mm. We do. We're
1: all about the guests now, aren't we?
0: Oh, yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting episode. So stay with us, and let's check them out.
1: Let's get on with it. Society.
0: Now we have a topic regarding relationships. Oh. A little bit of psychology, sociology, even. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about the importance of having close friends, but according to... Uh, so, so, uh, sociology professor at Stanford University, Mark mm. uh, Granovetter, mm. actually matters more. All those little acquaintances yeah. and uh, kind of casual casual people uh, that you meet and yeah. know. Yeah. It, the thing is that uh, what they, they are trying to do with the research is that they want to show that when you build these networks, these connections with people, that you are not that close mm. are the ones that will actually make the proper uh uh motivation and st- stimulation mm. of uh even new ideas. Yeah well to yeah create to, yeah. to perform and the sensation of fulfillment, happiness yeah so basically yeah. it's like building up a pyramid you were saying earlier an analogy a, a little like that
1: yeah like a hierarchy a
0: hierarchy so basically i would think of having all these uh, networks of close friends hmm. that are uh not co- close friends of uh acquaintances casual right. friends
1: like from the office or from, yeah uh, casual because uh, of
0: the quantity yeah they would stay in a pyramid in a yeah, base play. exactly because they would sustain after yeah by the uh, close friends yeah. which are usually the less
1: yeah well I think I think uh, we probably recognise that um, our close friends actually tend to be the people who we unconsciously select uh-huh. because we think they're like us right. So, and I think there's research to support that. And it's the same thing with uh, recruitment in companies where you have a manager. Mm -hmm. If you allow a manager to do their own recruitment, they actually tend to select individuals for positions uh, who they feel are like them. Yeah, It's almost like they're trying to hire themselves, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And of course, unfortunately right now they can't because cloning's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Anyway, um, so, you know, they get the nearest thing, yeah. which is some person who uh, closely matches their own personality traits. So, yeah. so I think it's the same thing with close friends. I'm disregarding family here because... Yeah. Uh-huh. That's one of those relationships where you like literally have no say in the matter, shall mm-hmm, we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what they say, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Your family, yeah. yeah. We'll do a, a separate one on that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, close friends, again, I think we tend to self-select people yeah. with similar ideas, uh-huh. similar views, blah, 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 yeah. self-reinforcing stuff, whereas your casual acquaintances are going to be the most diverse group, mm-hmm. aren't they?
0: And I think also has to do a lot with the fact that, for example, when people join any kind of uh, group activity, yeah. that they meet a lot of people and so on.
1: That they have no control
0: No of. control over. Mm. Anyway, the fact that you are in a place in which... Uh, You are with people with maybe, I don't know, let's, let's think about a dance, a dance uh, Mm -hmm. club. Yeah. They all go because they want, maybe want to dance and so on. You build up a casual relationship with the people that attend, Mm. but also gives people the sensation of belonging to something. And I think that kind of security Mm. or uh, psychologically, this sensation of belonging to something Mm. and feeling that you are, uh, in a group. In a group, basically. It's like your little tribe, right? Yes, although it doesn't reach the point of a close friends, mm-hmm. tribe mm-hmm. or group. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, that's more tied. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Thai more than their...
1: further down the
0: hierarchy, right? So I think it's all about how people feel mm. when participating with these groups. And in and fact… And with this very casual relationship.
1: Yeah, and I think that… There, well, I don't think there have been studies around this area that regardless of – there was one study done in 2016 that showed that regardless of nationality or age, that people who were members of groups, which could be as diverse as, as you say, a a dance school, for example, or a sports team – yeah. You would know about these things, particularly, or even church communities. Yeah, that those uh, individuals who were members of those types of groupings uh, enjoyed an increased sense of kind of meaning and security, and that uh, if, as an individual, the the more uh, memberships, shall we say, that you had of kind of diverse types of groups yeah. uh the better you actually felt and you can kind of get that can't yeah. you? From,
0: and i think this engagement also makes you at the same time also to grow I why think so. yeah. you were saying very something very important earlier i doubt we, that we, very we, much. <laughs> <laughs> with your close uh, friends like you said you consider them like you thinking uh, this, along yeah. maybe not exactly the same but along
1: yeah not challenging you.
0: Yeah. So weak uh, relationships, or mm. uh, weak ties with people mm. can actually uh, teach you to understand and deal with all kinds of people and situations, Different. which in turn will make you a uh, oh, better, better
1: person. Right? Yeah. A more rounded individual. Exactly. Yeah. So you, it. it in a way, it's kind of intuitive what is being said, isn't it? That, exactly, yeah. That, that, that effectively, the more you're exposed to different views, um, potentially you are challenged, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your ideas are challenged, as is the other person's as well, potentially. And through that, you evolve. Right? And I, I think we both, we've talked about this yeah. before, I think this is one of the dangers of what has been going on for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years to do with social media. Yeah. That people are in these self-reinforcing, self-selecting groups Uh where, for example, if you get your news from, say, something like Facebook, the problem there is that there are algorithms behind that news that you're being shown <laughs> that literally only shows you the kind of news that it thinks you will be interested mm-hmm. in. And you're less exposed to different ideas and challenging ideas. Yeah. And it becomes the world becomes very polarized, and it I think it's interesting that we are I think we're living through a period of polarized thinking you know mm-hmm. this kind of black and white stuff you, yeah. you either agree with me or you're the enemy you know there's no yeah. give and take at the moment yeah in a well, lot of places
0: depending on what type of social media you are uh, referring sometimes it can be also engaging in finding new weak ties but mm. it's true that uh most of the times in something like Facebook, mm. any recommendations is just based on what you already have yeah. and what you already know. So it's,
1: it's kind of like building this kind of cotton wool jacket around
0: you. Yeah, but for example, you join a Discord server right. in which you're going to have users that you've never met and you have other ideas also. Well, Might be a small temporary substitute probably. Right. But once you are able to go out, for example, after this pandemic, mm. literally people will try to Instinctively, to remake all these of ties,
1: of course, because mm. we're social creatures, right? Yeah, and I like the way you said this pandemic,
0: because we <laughs> might have more. Who knows? Yeah, that was good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, exactly. We've got another segment on that mm. stuff. Yeah, we should, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, this subject. Yep, I think it's, it's kind of when you kind of dig into it a bit. It's kind of it as a kind of. Uh, natural kind of feel to it, uh-huh. uh, intuitive, um, but nevertheless interesting, and you wouldn't necessarily think about it in this way, would you? Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, unless you dig into it a little bit.
0: Unless you get into it.
2: Society. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, what do we have to say today about work incompetence?
1: Um, we're both guilty, Rafa and I, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I think uh, we've demonstrated. It probably it a lot of people can relate a, a bit, I guess.
2: Who hasn't been there?
0: I think everybody well, has been there.
1: I think the thing about this particular subject, which has a kind of a subtitle, which is the Peter Principle, is mm-hmm. is named after a, a researcher uh, back in the UK who. Um, he observed the behavior of his colleagues and his his peers and his managers, and he became very puzzled by what he was observing in that he felt that his managers weren't actually best suited for the job. Now, his name was Lawrence J. Peter, and... Uh-huh. Uh, at the time, this was the 40s, 1940s, obviously not the 2040s because we're not there yet. But anyway, he, he, <laughs> that's okay. I needed that <laughs> reference. Uh, anyway, he was a teacher working in Canada, and he was puzzled by the behavior of his superiors. And he ended up writing a best-selling book Um uh, which outlined his uh, idea um, called the Peter Principle.
2: Hey, and can I pe- c- can I jump in just to, to yeah. quote him to quote yeah. Lawrence J. Peter because I just yeah. love this quote. Every employee tends to rise to his or her level of incompetence. I know, <laughs> It's just so brilliant. But, that's but it's that's just like perfect, on, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> it's.
1: Yeah, it had to be said and he was the first one to say it. Um
2: yeah. but there's actually something to it. I mean it's it's a feeling that we all have as we we kind of our minds are boggled at, you know, the incompetence of some people at their jobs. Mm. Uh but but actually there seems to be something to this, right?
1: Yeah. Well, he largely wrote his book as a work of uh, satire. Mhm. But it was only actually in more recent times that uh, this whole concept of the Peter Principle was actually explored with some seriousness. And generally speaking, it has been found out to be true. Um, And like Elizabeth said and Rafa said, I'm pretty sure we've all uh, personally experienced it, right?
2: Indeed. What do you think, Rafa? Uh, Do you think that it's just something that we all like to tell ourselves or do you think that there is actually some scientific basis behind all this?
0: I think it's a behavioral uh, thing. Hmm. And sometimes uh, this happens because of the pressure of the uh, job or the work that some people have to do Mm -hmm. in relation to what sometimes you can also perceive of yourself. Hmm. What is some people could call the imposter syndrome, you know? If you are right. with that syndrome or you start to think like I'm I, I don't know if I'm actually qualified to do this, you will raise to that level actually of incompetence where you maybe at some point you will not be able to do that.
1: But I, I've got a feeling that, that that um people who actually have the level of self awareness to realize that they they are suffering from imposter syndrome.
0: <laughs> that that is a problem.
1: The people Peter Principle is talking about, right?
0: But that's exactly the problem. To reach that yeah. awareness, a lot of people well, don't yeah. reach that awareness. You know
1: exactly. And and um the the more recent work that was done to look into how the Peter Principle might work, um was a lot of it was focused around sales activity. And the common kind of corporate uh, career progression thing where you're a bunch of sale people, there's one sales person who stands out the most, makes the most sales every quarter, blah, 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 sales person of the year. So what do they do? They promote that person yeah. into a management position because obviously They understand they're a fantastic salesperson. And what has been shown to be common is that rather than that promoted super salesperson inspiring the sales team to greater sales, actually it has literally no effect or sales actually drop because what they found was, and I think it's kind of intuitive, Mm -hmm. but clearly not, which is that just because somebody, the quality that makes someone a good salesman doesn't make them a good
2: manager. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not
1: necessarily. It can work. In the
2: American way, that was kind of the dream is that, oh, I started off, you know, washing dishes in a restaurant, but then they saw how motivated I was. And then I uh, became busboy. And then from busboy, you know, and you can kind of work your way up the ladder. So for someone who's enterprising, but doesn't have, you know, the mother or the father, you know, who who put them in the job directly, um, you can work your way up. And so that can be very motivational for some people but mm. i think there's another thing i mean this sounds very kind of military to me in a way that like you know you just kind of march up the corporate ladder mm-hmm. and indeed it doesn't take into account the fact that as you say not every you know salesperson for example is going to have either the personality type nor particularly the desire mm. um let alone the competence to be a manager of people, it's a very different skill set. And we see that in the orchestra all the time. You could be a great tutti player, which means that you are one of many playing the same part at the same time and you blend with others and, and you know, uh, you're a great team player. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you're um, going to be as competent in another position, for example, as section leader, where all of a sudden you have to take on another role. And that demands another kind of personality. Uh, And decision-making set of Mm. skills. So, it, you know, I think the picture is not complete. You know, you have to look at the individual and not just kind of try to make generalities.
0: But also there's another problem there. Sometimes the ladder stops Mm. and you cannot climb it more for many reasons, depending on the corporation or the place. So that is actually demotivating. Mm. leading to the person actually to not care anymore for or doesn't have that uh, incentive to keep on climbing because maybe like you said maybe socially or some his personal history you say well i i won't be able to reach that anyway so Wait, you give point? up basically you know
1: but yeah i mean i'm not quite sure about that because i, I think the the peter principle is not it doesn't apply to people trying to make their way up the corporate greasy pole, right? And basically they get into higher and higher positions and it's not the, the demotivation potentially comes after everybody realizes they're incompetent. So they are recognized as being Mm -hmm. incompetent in their position on the greasy pole. The, Greasy pole upper heights are now cut off from them. Over time, they become aware that they're not moving up, and they then become demotivated. But they're stuck in that position, making life hell, everybody underneath them Mm?
2: yeah but there's another element uh if if we take it in another way about this um, peter principle that everybody rises to their own level of incompetence Mm. that could also be taken as a very kind of altruistic outlook on the whole process because that implies that everybody can go as far as their limits will allow them to go which i don't think happens a lot of times as you know Mm -hmm. rafa was saying like uh sometimes you just can't you're completely qualified for more but you can't access it there's just there's just not going to be Other any possibility factors or yeah so i wish actually that everybody could rise to their own level of incompetence <laughs> because that would mean that you kind of went to your limits and and touched the ceiling of that
1: so you could say like rising to your own level of incompetence is a proof of uh social uh vertical social movement social
2: yeah working working at its most fluid maybe potentially
1: so does that mean then that in this ideal world we are we would be completely ruled by incompetent people <laughs> Yes,
2: and what a wonderful dystopia that and would be and oh, just yeah. a
1: moment aren't we there already
2: <laughs> yeah, it depends on what country you're looking at but uh... <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot to go out there <laughs> uh, but uh, but i was reading in the uh, reference material that um management companies uh, more kind of aware companies are now taking a slightly different take with promotions so for example if we go back to the sales example what they do is when a lot of companies obviously do annual assessments these days and, you know, KPI targets and so on. And what some companies are now doing is that they um, evaluate the individual's performance and they do a separate evaluation of the individual's leadership and management capabilities and they get two separate measures and it's only when the two are aligned that they can be moved up the corporate ladder and if for, because to me a salesman i don't know maybe you can tell tell me different but if i was a salesman i'm making lots of money um i think most salesmen would actually rather get more money than necessarily get a promotion because I think these days a lot of promotions are title signals, you know, they're like status signals, and they don't necessarily come with a uh, big increase in remuneration. So,
2: I yeah, think- well, well, I can understand that point of view because why why would you want to have a steep learning curve to do a different skill set that you mm-hmm. weren't trained for previously? Uh, when you can just make more money doing it, something that you're already really good at,
0: which but you're motivated. You, with. you touch an interesting point here that some companies are actually trying to avoid this by creating training processes before you move up the ladder, right. so that when you reach that position, you are prepared to actually perform that job. Exactly. So it, it I think, here it depends a lot in what the person will want actually, or what are his own goals. In hmm. the place where, of work, and what a company a company's policy is about for promoting people up the ladder. Yeah.
2: Okay, but I mean, if here's, you just here's move something them up like that, or
0: you prepare them first to be moving up the ladder, no?
2: Hmm. Yeah, hmm. but here's something that um, needs to be thrown into the mix, and it hasn't been up until extremely recently. True. What is the definition of a good leader? Because <laughs> if you only have one prototype. Mm -hmm. then uh, like 90% of your workforce these days will not measure up to that very narrow prototype. So first of all, I think you have to expand the definition of leadership to include many different kinds of effective leadership. And then you have to consider people uh, in that newly expanded vision of leadership. Uh, because, you know, especially someone like me in my profession, where there are only four point something percent of female conductors in the world. Um, I know a lot about not, you know, not fitting the prototype or not fitting the stereotype. Um, and, you know, a lot of opportunities just pass you up because you don't fit into that very narrow box. And that doesn't <laughs> mean that you're not competent. It mm-hmm. just means that you're not looking exactly what they're looking
1: for. Mm-hmm. So so in your Personal experience there in your career, would you say that a lot of those you being a shall we say a round peg in a square hole are due to the fact that it's been a very patriarchal um, industry that you are you have broken into, and oh, that okay. the leadership pattern that they're looking for is very male gendered kind of testosterone driven rather than more empathic female driven, shall we say?
2: Oh well it's evident. I mean if you look at a conductor you think, well what does a conductor look like? It looks like an old white man.
1: Male pale and stale, right?
2: I mean that's that's the maestro myth, right? And yeah. and that's what was selling. That's what we all expected. Yeah. Um and everyone was was, you know uh, accepting that. And so if anybody steps on the podium who doesn't look like that, um, even if you have an open mind, you still have to take a moment to, you know, take that in and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then try to have an open mind. But a lot of people, you know, and this is this is a human nature, is to just kind of um, step back and be like, wait a minute, that's not something that I recognize. That must be dangerous. Or that must be um, not in my comfort zone. So if Mm -hmm. I don't need to go outside my comfort zone, if I'm not pushed uh, to go outside my comfort zone, I'm not going to do it. Why Mm -hmm. should I? So And that's, I think, now more than ever, um, we're, we're really trying to push that envelope and to have more diversity and inclusion in all of our voices, you know, coming from all walks of life and not just one path or the other path. I think it's a very interesting time right now.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So Rafa.
0: Well, I think we are, uh, reaching the end of the topic. So if you have any final remarks on this,
1: um, thoughts. do I have any final remarks? No, no. I found Elizabeth's, um, kind of observations about a particular industry segment, mm-hmm. very enlightening, I think, I mean, for me, um, yeah. I've certainly come across the subject that we've been talking about. I'm sure you have, Rafa, but yeah. an interesting conversation.
2: Indeed.
0: What do you think, Carl, of, of the episode of today?
1: I think uh, two really interesting things. Things certainly, the casual relationships um, I think it's right what it says in mm-hmm. in the studies that they're more significant than we give them credit for and the the thing about uh, incompetence i've got a feeling we a lot of people listening to that will go, do you know, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> or even I work for that person. Yeah. What, do you think so? Yeah, I, I think,
0: yeah, a lot of people will relate immediately for a situation. Totally. totally. I, I totally. don't think there's anybody that has been already, uh, let's say, in the work force out there. For, a, uh, that for any period of time. Yeah, that has been in that yeah. exact situation. So
1: I am for sure after this people will realize it it is a thing, right?
0: For sure. And don't forget to send us your comments. Uh, send us a, just a message, at least just to say hello. And oh uh, well, we'd love to hear what people think. Yeah? For sure. We are ready for the next one, right? See you in the next one, yeah. Carl.
1: Cool.